Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Just like that, the final hour is here on this Wednesday edition. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Armando Salguero scheduled to be with us in 20 minutes. We discuss all things NFL. Stephon Diggs, all of a sudden he's present and practicing with the Buffalo Bills. They're disgruntled running backs. DeAndre Hopkins is in New England meeting with the Patriots. Meanwhile, what's going to, to happen uh, at uh, some of the other free agent spots between now and the start of training camp. Armando joins us uh, coming up shortly. Chad, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, the Vegas Golden Knights are your 2023 Stanley Cup champions, hoisting the trophy in their second Stanley Cup appearance in six seasons in existence. Compare and contrast that to the Denver Nuggets, who finally won after 47 seasons uh, in the NBA. Uh, this just does not feel very NHL to me at all. Um, does the cup matter? It absolutely does to the players. You know, the, the exhilaration of many of the veterans who finally got to skate the, the trophy last night in a blowout, blowout fashion, which was this entire series. But nowadays, in a, a $500 million entry fee as an expansion franchise, you were set up to win, which is uh, a stark contrast to the way it was not that long ago for many expansion franchises that had to go through the depths and the pit of misery in order to work your way up to being, number one, playoff competitive, and then number two, having the juice to make a run in what is the toughest postseason and the grueling postseason of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But here's Vegas in their second appearance, after making it in their inaugural season, back and winning it again in dominant fashion. And oh, by the way, the Seattle Kraken, who make 32 teams now, they were in the postseason, and they were very good this year as well in their second season in existence. There are 11, 11 franchises that have never won the Stanley Cup in the NHL. And a team now in season six gets to claim its year for the trophy, and probably many more based on the expansion draft, the protected and unprotected players that every team had to decide to give up, and then the trade pieces involved with those solid players that other teams really didn't want to let loose, but had to based on the structure and the involving door of, of the NHL and ownership. They wanted Vegas to have a winner. They wanted it to be the, the, the sizzle reel for whenever you visit Sin City. And it is. But do I think this fan base is anything quite like what it would be if we saw the, the Senators or the Sabres skate the cup? No. Because, again, in season six, just expected to win. Expected to skate the cup because the NHL handed over the Stanley Cup qualifying through a $500 million check to join the NHL as an expansion franchise. It just, it's not the same. 
So the first thing that I thought of when I saw this was, uh, has this happened recently in another sport? And the first team that popped to mind were the Florida Marlins. They won a World Series in 1997 after coming into the league as an expansion franchise in 93. They did it in five years. It was their fifth season and not their sixth. So it has happened before. But what did not happen was the Florida Marlins going to a World Series in year one as an expansion franchise. I am far more upset that the Vegas Knights won a Western Conference championship and played for Lord Stanley's coveted cup in year one as a franchise. That is a stain on the NHL that is yet to be erased, in my opinion. That is a terrible look. You cannot have franchises that have been around for years and not won a cup or been around for years and not played for a cup still be sitting out there while your expansion team and the rules you set up in an expansion draft allow for a team to be good enough, not even just, they shouldn't be good enough to make the playoffs, much less go on a run and play for a Stanley Cup. We at long hear this thing about the Stanley Cup being the hardest trophy to win in team sports and being the hardest championship to win in the NHL. That physically may be true over the course of the playoffs. With everything that goes on with hockey, I understand all that. But you absolutely cannot make that claim when you have a team that can play for that trophy and that championship in year one and then win it all in year six. I don't think it's good for the sport. I don't even know what the Golden Knights fan base is. I'm probably going to be asking the same question about every Vegas team. Is there really a loyal, diehard, local following? Or is it simply a transient group of people that come to Vegas as tourists and decide to check out a Golden Knights game or a Vegas A's game or a Raiders game or a soon-to-be-named NBA Vegas franchise team game? I, I, don't, I don't know, and I don't care. There's nothing that can get me to care about either the Vegas Golden Knights or the Florida Panthers, with all due respect, to both those franchises, do not care. But the NHL should care about an expansion team going to the championship round in year one. That's what happened with Vegas. Far more concerned with that, far less concerned about them winning a title in year six. The Marlins did it in year five in Major League Baseball. And the, the Vegas appeal, I mean, you're right, the, the transient fan base there, I mean, they, have, they always have great crowds. But again, that's due in large part to the winning aspect, right? And you've got, you're, they're putting on a show, but they're also, you're leaving with the, the home city, uh, which is, you know, the, the, your vacation destination, your getaway spot. You're leaving away happy for the most part, unless you're traveling in, watching your favorite team because they're in Las Vegas. They paid $500 million in 2016. Uh, Bill Foley is the, the Golden Knights owner. $500 million, And by 2022, the franchise was valued by Forbes at $965 million. And now a year later, They've got the Stanley Cup after playing for it in, was it 2016-2017 in their inaugural season, 2017-2018, when they lost to the Capitals. Chad, the uh, comparison on how things are handled, ways to handle things, ways not to, in comparing uh, pitcher Anthony Bass for the Toronto Blue Jays, who was uh, sent down for assignment, and uh, this was after uh, apologizing uh, for posting something on his own Instagram account that... Uh, was uh, his opinion and his beliefs based on uh, agreeing with a video that was out about the the boycott of Target and what was the other one? Bud Light. Yeah. And comparing that to Trevor Williams and Clayton Kershaw, uh, two solid starters who have voiced their opinion about the way the Dodgers handled things last month 
going into Pride Month and how things would be handled uh, for a Pride Night for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And comparing, are you comparing the the pitching and the not the pitching, but the no. the, the players or the organizations? No, just w- what actually happened. So. With Anthony Bass, we we have very different things here, and it all kind of it's all spurned from similar type stories. Okay, the people that are you know boycotting Bud Light and Target are for slightly different reasons, but with Target, it's for I think selling a product um, that is to me pretty stupid to sell, but people are deciding to boycott. I think is the understanding from that. Whatever yeah. uh, the Bud Light thing is, what I deem is a poor marketing decision that they made that they have fallen flat on their face because of, and because of that poor marketing decision, a lot of people want to boycott all of Bud Light for eternity, whatever. And that seems to be working right now because sales are down for both. Don't really care. Don't find uh, any of it all that interesting. Don't find any of it all that uh, offensive to me either. Uh, and I'm talking about either side. If you want to not buy a product for whatever reason, that's your right. If you want to encourage others to boycott it, whatever, have at it. Don't really care either way with Target or Bud Light. But what Anthony Bass did was he shared an Instagram post calling for anti-LGBTQIA, a lot of of initials now, Mm -hmm. um, for boycotts of Target and Bud Light. And in that post, LGBTQIA merchandise was referred to as evil and demonic. Okay, now Anthony Bass... He posted that, put it out there, said it was evil and demonic. Slightly extreme on that front. Don't even know that Anthony Bass read the whole thing, to be quite honest. Now, he said, I agree with it. Everyone should have their own opinion. But I also apologize, and I've been informed how that could be uh, termed as hateful and insensitive, and now I apologize on it. A, never apologize, should not have apologized. If he believed in the post, he should have stood by it and said, I'm, I'm entitled to my opinion. This is what I believe. I think it's ridiculous and gone about his day and then dealt with the repercussions from that. So that's the first mistake he made was he apologized, he bent the knee, and he did exactly what they said. Now, also, this post that refers to all of this stuff as evil and demonic is far different than the thoughtful Christian faith-based posts of Trevor Williams and Clayton Kershaw. And if you notice, on one end, there's a lot of noise about Anthony Bass, about apologies and demotions. He's also not as good of a pitcher, so that's part of it. And demotions and all of this, ERA over five. Then you have Trevor Williams and Clayton Kershaw, who had very, very thoughtful posts that said, here are the issues that I have. I believe it was Trevor Williams that pointed to the millions of Catholic Mm-hmm. people in Los Angeles County and how this is disgusting and hateful to them. So what are you going to do about this with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence? How can they mock this faith? And there are a lot of Dodgers fans in that community. And how would it be perceived if you mocked the Jewish faith or Muslims? They put that out there, right? Both Clayton Kershaw and Trevor Williams. And I thought did it or in a very respectful way. Yeah. Right. Or, yeah, and said, look, I'm not trying to – my faith teaches me not to hate anyone. So I'm not trying to hate. But this side is hating and mocking my faith and my belief, and I have an issue with that. They didn't receive the same criticism because I thought they did a much smarter and better job of laying out their argument well, and what they said. And also, Hutton, something else they didn't do was apologize for it. Well, they weren't asked to. Exactly. They were now, asked to. And, and, and Bass, by apologizing, the general manager uh, for, the, for the Blue Jays 
uh, initially said that there would be no discipline for Anthony Bass, that he was apologetic and uh, that they they thought that he was uh, contrite. It was apologetic, apologetic and accountable were the quotes uh, from uh, Ross Atkins, the general manager in Toronto. Uh, but, you know, religious beliefs or political beliefs, um, I mean, you've got the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence that started this in, in L.A., and uh, the video reposting on his own personal page from, from Anthony Bass's stance, it, one side is being treated one way and the other's not. And, and still, yeah, I, I mean, I, the Dodgers still did an about face right. Look, with a complete 180 turn. Baseball is to blame for a lot of this, and the Dodgers are to blame for everything that Trevor Williams and Clayton Kershaw is talking about. And I firmly back Trevor Williams and Clayton Kershaw on what they're saying. Sure. And their opinions on this, firmly back them, and I agree with everything they're saying. But I also think we're seeing, you know, two different cases for, you mentioned it, Hutton, those two guys weren't asked to apologize. Why? Because there's nothing you can argue with their statements about. They are fact-based. They're coming at this from a very logical place. They're not coming at it from a hate speech deal. They're not trying to be divisive. They're being very logical in their arguments and laying it out there for people to see. And people on the other side of this, what have they been? Silent. Eerily silent on it because they got no comeback to what they're saying. Well, and the, I thought that was very well played. But they, they have not been silent in, regard, in regards to the organization, which then re-invited them. And you have one organization that's citing the Toronto organization and the GM is citing a, a distraction. And meanwhile, the distraction that was causing everything in L.A. was re-inviting. Uh, it, it, was, it was welcomed, even though you had your best pitcher and you had others that were, were citing you know, the, now, the discriminatory uh, statements is, from uh, uh, from the the policy yeah. with the MLBPA and the Major League Baseball. Well, what I mean by that is the, the CBA. Clayton Kershaw and Trevor Williams only came at this after the reinvitation. Mm-hmm. They were invited. Then what happens? A politician got involved. Right. Marco Rubio, Republican, right. said something strongly Democratic-led California and L.A. They responded to Marco Rubio, who made a lot of sense. And talked about them mocking the Christian faith, but they disinvited them. Then everyone got pissed off at the Dodgers for doing that. Right. The Dodgers reinvited. Then Trevor Williams and Clayton Kershaw said something, and the Dodgers have not disciplined Kershaw or told him to take it down or apologize. Same goes for the Nationals with Trevor Williams. Uh, just in summation, I, I look at this. Look, I, I want everybody to have the right to express their opinion, regardless. I, mean, I just think the way Anthony Bass handled this was so sloppy. Oh, I think it's and, perfect. And I mean, what he reposted, he, he and then every, how he, did he, he bent the knee and bowed. He was going to catch the ceremonial first pitch, and and after that was announced, then they assigned him to the minors. Yeah, that's the problem, though. He should have never done that. Don't apologize. Don't well, bend the knee. Well, but then uh, then it would just be sloppy. He'd be sent down anyway. But it's not. But, but after doing that, he had the general manager on the record saying he would not be disciplined and that he was apologetic and accountable. Look, if you're going to put that, and then a guy came out the sixty day DL. If it's demonic and evil to market that way, that's right. very different. Go back and read what Trevor Williams and Clayton Kershaw said. That's where the big difference lies to begin with. Very different speech from those guys. Anthony Bass also, if he truly believes it's demonic and evil, then stand by it. Because the moment you apologized, you open yourself up to the booze you got the next night. That happened. If you believe this firmly in it, you ended up cut anyways. So instead of being looking like a huge jerk 
and having to go out and catch the, the, the pitch on Pride Night and be forced to apologize and stumble through an apology while saying, I fully believe in the post, but I also see I could be seen as hateful, so I apologize for that, but I don't apologize for this. Oh, by the way, Anthony, you're cut. Get your ass to AAA. He could have cut all that out and said, no, I stand by what I said. I'm entitled to my rights and my opinions, just like anyone else who has an opinion on the other side. He could have gotten cut the same way, but we could have skipped all this stuff. Meanwhile, Trevor Williams and Clayton Kershaw handled it in a much smarter way than he did, and I think they were much more effective in making their point than Anthony Bass. But the point is, it doesn't matter how they would have handled it. They're really good at what they do, right? Kyrie Kyrie Irving shared an anti-Semitic film and was suspended eight games. And remains in the league. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, it's the, uh, the, the, also, like, the general managers, privately, publicly, whenever everything was going on with, uh, with Ka- Kaepernick and whether or not he was even good enough to be in the league, they were pointing to the distraction that it would cause if you wanted to come in to be the backup quarterback for the starter. They had tryouts, had an open tryout at one point for a couple of teams that, about eight teams, I think, went down to Atlanta. And they pointed to the distraction. And in this case, the general manager is saying the exact same thing. So if six years ago, seven years ago, you're pointing to, well, I mean, even if he's good enough, it's such a distraction. The NFL doesn't want that. Well, that's what Major League Baseball is saying through what the Blue Jays have done as an organization. They're pointing the exact same thing. So I, I, if it works for the NFL with Kaepernick, it's, Unfortunate for Anthony Bass that he's not better than what? What was his ERA? Uh, I think it's over five. Because if you can play, you're on a roster, especially as a starting pitcher. Yeah, and he's but not. Again, there's a reason Kershaw and Trevor Williams were not asked to apologize, and Anthony Bass was. There's very different and smart ways to handle it, and I get so sick and tired of everything having to be so divisive. And when you use words like demonic and evil. And what you're saying, you fail to get your point across. Look, you can say what you want. I'm not sitting here saying you don't have the right to voice your opinion. I'm simply saying if if the goal is truly to convince someone else of your point or to bring someone over to your side or to to clearly communicate it, then do it in a way that Trevor Williams and Clayton Kershaw did. Yeah, but you're not going to. uh, Trevor Williams and Clayton Kershaw didn't convince anyone. They were re-invited. Did, uh, but meanwhile, they, well, they were already reinvited. But point being, I mean, uh, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, it, it, the, you want to talk about uh, distraction and you know whatever that stands for uh, with the anti-Catholic uh, points that they're making, uh, addressing as nuns. Um, they're not asked to apologize for that. They're a part of uh, a night that's put on specifically for their groups. Yeah, and look. And, I, and, and Clayton Kershaw is told to take the baseball and take the mound if he's starting that night. Yeah, and he said, I'm not, I'm not boycotting the game, but let me get my point across. But I'm talking specifically about the repercussions for the players, not about what teams do or what Major League Baseball does and what they decide to side with. I'm talking specifically about demands for apologies and why that took place and why it didn't take place with two others and why we saw what happens. And sure, in part, and I've mentioned it, the reason Anthony Bass was sent down, if he was great, he wouldn't have been. Um, yep. he's, a, he's a middling you know, relief pitcher. That's why he was sit down at AAA because it was easier because you don't want a distraction from a middling uh, relief pitcher with an ERA over five. But Clayton Kershaw is a Hall of Famer and maybe the greatest Dodger of all time or one of them. So he can get away with a lot more. But 
what he said was smart and what he said could possibly, maybe I'm, you know, just hoping on a, on a star and a dream out there that maybe the fact that another side was silenced by his response and they're not demanding an apology, maybe just maybe someone read it and thought for a second, you know, he makes some pretty good points. I don't have anything bad to say about that. The guy seems like he's got his life together. Maybe I should listen to him more. The final, final thing I'll say is I don't think that he changed the pain on the sign for anyone. In fact, the group he's talking about openly mocks the Catholic faith to this day. And again, that, that was the, the organization was asked to apologize. And they, they did. They bent the knee like Anthony Bass did. And Bass knew he, if he didn't apologize, he was going to be gone. And then he did, and well, he's reassigned anyway uh, to the minors. Still not assigned to a team, though, based on the Player Association website I'm looking for. Just says, uh, sent for reassignment, in parentheses, Toronto Blue Jays organization. Coming up, where is, uh, where's Armando going to be assigned on vacation? Taking a lengthy, uh, a lengthy vacation, and well-deserved, I should say, uh, coming up for the what is the desert season of NFL news and notes because OTAs or mini camps are wrapping up today, and then it's a vast desert until we get to training camp at the towards the end of July. Armando with the very latest news for us when we come back, including Stefan Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, and Dalvin Cook. That's next on Hot Mike. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hutton and Withrow, hot mic across the Outkick Network. Pleased to be joined by Armando Salguero, who is on the eve of vacation. It's like Barkley and Shaq had their countdown to vacation on TNT. And now Armando, who is loyal. I appreciate this, Armando. On a normal Thursday, you would join us, but you would be starting your time off in this wasteland of... The end of June, early July NFL news. You're uh, joining us a uh, day early. We appreciate that and hope all things are well. Armando, congrats on working vacation into your contract. Hutton and I don't have it, so good job. Great job oh, we by have you. It. I've got it in my contract. Great job by you. <laughs> well, no days you do too. Us. You no do days. too. Yeah. All I would say is that on the last day of my working before vacation, you guys decided to have me on in the final hour That's of all we your had. show. Hey, I'm blame stunned Davey. that we're not doing this at 5.59. Blame David. Hey, we wanted you to have something to look forward to all day, right on the eve of your vacation, <laughs> to where you knew, Armando, at what, you know, 5.40 your time, Eastern time, that your work was done and you were just shutting the laptop and you were in vacation mode. So that's why we did, we did it to favor you. Because yes. once you're done ah. with this, you're done, my friend. You're done. It's vacation time. Also, spin. It also allows Good us spin. to get every ounce of NFL news uh, accomplished for the day. Uh, so we yes, can get all the big stories. Stephon Diggs, all, uh, a day after, there's a lot of drama about whether or not he's there and uh, what 
Coach McDermott feels like is important or not and how concerned he is, all of a sudden he's present and accounted for. What do you make about Stephon Diggs and whatever was going on for the short period of time in, in Orchard Park for minicamp? So first of all, we should all admit that there's been a lot of speculation about what actually was the reason yeah. for Stephon Diggs and the Buffalo Bills to be at odds, so to speak. And the reason that we know that they were at odds is because yesterday Stephon Diggs was sent home from practice and he was, you know, contacted by the general manager. He was contacted by the head coach. He was contacted by the quarterback. A lot of conversations back and forth. At one point before he was sent home, all the parties involved decided we need a break from these conversations. We need some space. That's, you know, Sean McDermott's word. And they obviously, you know, went to their corners. And from what you can tell from Sean McDermott talking today, um, cooler heads prevailed. And so Stefan Diggs is back at practice today. The problem with all of this is that it's fine today. What about October? What about December? What about January? Did they change or address whatever it was that, you know, had Stefan Diggs all in an uproar to, to the point where he's not going to manifest again and it's not going to be a problem again? I'm not sure that that happened. And as I wrote on Outkick.com today, I think this is starting to look a little bit like 2019 when Stefan Diggs in Minnesota showed that he was displeased with certain things. And eventually, a year later, he was traded. Mm. This has kind of a fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me feel to it with Stefan Diggs, Armando. I. I guess my question is, how big of a problem is Diggs? We know he's a very talented, very good receiver, but at what point do you say, this guy's a malcontent, and he's probably going to be an issue wherever he goes? So I really believe that people are gifted in certain ways, but just as they're gifted way up here, there are problems that normally for the normal person are not huge. Their problems are also way up here. That's why geniuses can't, you know, whatever, can't sit still for five minutes or they can't eat or someone who's a great athlete can't read or someone who's a, you know, a literary giant can't run the 40 in 4-4. Stefan Diggs is a football savant. He is great at what he does. He is amazing. But with that comes the, you know, the negative part. And the negative part is he does have a history, like I mentioned, of being displeased with, displeased with certain situations. The speculation has been that it's because he doesn't believe he's been targeted enough in the offense that Ken Dorsey is running. Uh, Ken Dorsey is the offensive coordinator who replaced Brian Dayball, who went to the New York Giants. I looked it up. He was targeted last year 10 fewer times than the year before. So if Stefan, I, I have a hard time believing that Stefan Diggs 
is is all torqued off because he got targeted ten fewer times last year. I just yeah, it's good. I don't see it. Well, he also got paid. I mean, he's got forty million guaranteed on a five year contract that was extended what at the beginning of last year. Uh, maybe I'm um, um, getting that uh, mixed up with something. But again, like I, I don't think uh, the money. It's now's not the time to drop that leverage, Armando. I, I don't know what he could be upset about given his status. And it's not like they're meeting with DeAndre Hopkins today or yesterday either. Like it's he's the guy. I don't know what he's upset about. Yeah, it's not a money issue. Um, so there's that which makes it all the more interesting because typically when guys sit out or make a stance at mini camp, which by the way is mandatory and you can be fined if you miss all three days, it's $99,000. Normally they're making that stand because of what the thing that drives the NFL, which is money. And this isn't that. So uh, it, it, it's, I will say this about the Buffalo Bills. They have done an amazing job of keeping the in-house in-house. Yeah. Because none of the so-called insiders have found out what the problem is. Um, Obviously, no one that covers the team on a daily basis has found out. So uh, we still have to wait and see. Armando Salguero with us. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is in the house of Belichick today. He is in Foxborough meeting with uh, Patriots brass. The reports are the Patriots are optimistic. They think they can sign Hopkins. He has visited here in Nashville. Reports are he left without a contract offer whatsoever. Same with uh, what Green Bay on a, a short stop. Now he's in New England. And by... What I can see, that's is there anything else scheduled? Those are the three teams that have jumped out there. If you're New England, I'm intrigued by this. If you're New England, what's the offer that gets him to sign versus continuing this lap around the NFL wherever someone will host him? Because the Titans and Packers are sitting back waiting to see what the top offer will be. And if New England wants him, I wonder how steep they must go over the line of probably what's fair for both sides to actually get him in a Patriots uniform? Well, that's the problem. The what's fair for both sides is an opinion that DeAndre Hopkins is at one end of the spectrum and the rest of the NFL and the NFL is at another end of the spectrum. If DeAndre Hopkins tomorrow were to say, I will play for a one-year minimum, he, you'll, he'd right. have 10 teams interested right. in him. If he were to say, I will play for one year and $4 million, he'd have nine teams interested in him. DeAndre Hopkins isn't going to say that. And so therefore, everybody is treading lightly. Let's let's just agree to this. In 2020, DeAndre Hopkins signed a two-year extension that would carry him through the 2024 season. The extension was two years, $54 million. Let me do some quick math. That's $27 million a year. He's not going to get anywhere close to that. And I doubt seriously that he gets close to the one-year $15 million offer that he got, uh, that Odell Beckham Jr. got from the Baltimore Ravens. Odell Beckham Jr.'s contract is actually for four years, but it has three voidable years after that to make it salary cap 
um, you know, compliant and also worthy of, of doing for the team that doesn't want to have $15 million in one lump sum on the cap this year. My guess is that's the kind of deal and less is what DeAndre Hopkins is going to have to go with. Um, he, he should be happy if he gets, you know, double figure ten. millions. Ten. If he's, yeah. if he gets the 10, I, I'd be impressed. Yeah. Cause I think right now the, the teams that have met with him are looking somewhere between six and eight and a half. And if the Patriots come over at 10, maybe they, maybe they get him, maybe they don't, but it's not like teams are lined up hosting him after this based on the way the first week has gone, at least to this point. The other factor here that I'm intrigued by, Armando, is Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien was the head coach and general manager that traded him to Arizona for pennies on the dollar. Now, he didn't make pennies in Arizona, but it led to Deshaun Watson, who had just signed a contract extension, to get so pissed off that he wanted to get traded. He was demanding a trade before all of the legal drama took place. Um, I, I, I didn't think Hopkins liked Bill O'Brien, but I guess if there's a team involved that wants double figures in a, in a season, you're back on board with the new offensive coordinator for the Patriots. By the way, I, I, I'm glad you raised the point of Bill O'Brien. He was roasted yeah. for making that trade of DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals. I believe they got a second-round pick and a running back, if I'm not mistaken. That's right, yeah, yeah. Um, let me put it to you this way. That trade looks better for the Houston Texans than it looks for the Arizona Cardinals. Convince me otherwise. Well, based on what there was a lot of drama that took place there. A lot of drama based on that trade and what they were doing. Granted, but the, oh, well, the Arizona are, are Cardinals, we comparing who's been the worst team in the, the, the 31st, 31st team versus the 32nd team? Is that what we're comparing? No, but you but my point being that the guy that got roasted for making a terrible trade, he got the better of that trade because the Arizona Cardinals gave up a second round pick. Someone a second round pick typically is a guy that's going to be on your team for four years and is going to be a starter. Right. Or at least a, a, a pretty great backup. DeAndre Hopkins was a starter for two years on that team and he's gone and they got nothing in return for him. And they paid him. $57 million. So who got the better of that deal? I, I would say to you, the team that got the second round pick. Well, and he, and he missed games for PDs. That, that's the other part there. Yeah. It feels like both lost, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I get your point, Armando, but I feel I don't like think Bill O'Brien won. It's the rare trade where there are two <laughs> losers involved with the Cardinals and the Texans, but you're right in that when it was made, no one thought that the Cardinals were going to, going to be possibly be losers in that deal. So it did not turn out great for them either. So uh, let me let me understand what you're saying, Chad. You're saying that the Cardinals and the Texans are both losers. Yes, both. They they they, they managed it. My hats off to both of them for finding a way to both be losers on both ends of a trade. You know who else is going to lose, Armando? Any of these running backs claiming that they're not going to sign this franchise tag by July 17th or whatever the deadline is and not take the guaranteed $10 million for their signature in July, knowing the war of attrition that takes place on that position and the fact that no matter what they do, even if they, they want to threaten this Le'Veon Bell sit-out year, Saquon Barkley, no matter how talented, 
uh, uh, Josh Jacobs, no matter how talented. This is, unfortunately for them, it's the position they're playing and not the talent that they possess for the roster that they're playing with. Slight disagreement here. Okay. It's not the position that they're playing. The NFL values running backs. It really does. It just doesn't value running backs who are in their fourth, fifth, sixth year, and they have to pay 10, 12, 13, $14 million a year to. The NFL, if you look at the draft, you know, we were all surprised when two running backs went in the first round. Those running backs that went in the first round, they're valuable to those teams. Right. They're, they're going to be a big deal on those teams, but they're going to get used up and then shipped out. Yep. It's the second contract where the running back value goes off the table. Uh, it's a valuable position early on when you're not paying for it, when all you have to do is use draft choice compensation. It loses value to a, a significant degree once you're paying these guys. So what happens with Dalvin Cook then? Where's the value for Dalvin Cook? And again, like I understand the hesitancy to, to put a number on the, on the contract because, I mean, if you look around at depth charts, there's so many guys that end up being pieces to the puzzle that are productive in spurts, and you get enough out of that position based on the way the offenses are geared right now. And, and the last, what, nine or ten Super Bowl oh. champions, they haven't spent more than $2 million against the cap on the running back spot that led them in rushing yards that season. Right. So I don't know what happens to Dalvin Cook. I know what he'd like to happen, and that is to make up the money that he lost yeah. in, the, in the contract that he had with the Minnesota Vikings. That, by the way, uh, was going to pay him, I think, 13 or $14 million this year. So that's not going to happen. Uh, he's still coming back from, you know, rehabbing from the shoulder. He is on course to be ready for training camp. I think that guy's a, an outstanding running back. I think Saquon Barkley is an outstanding running back. I think that Tony Pollard is a great dynamic type running back. Do I think that they are worth $15 million a year, $14 million a year? That's where I would draw the line. You can draft someone who, who will be almost there, almost as good, and pay him like 50% of that total value of a contract. So uh, that's the problem. And that person will be 22 years old instead of 28 years old yeah. and will have 1,500 carries less under his belt. Final thing for you, as you return from vacation, you're going into training camp. What's the number one storyline that we'll be following across the NFL? Number one will be Joe Burrow's contract extension. Number 1A will be Justin Herbert's contract extension. Will they be done in time for the opening of training camp? My guess is that they will. And if they're not, are those guys holding out? My guess is that they won't. And so those two things have to happen because otherwise that drama is going to make the Stefan Diggs drama look like <laughs> a, a grade C movie.
No doubt. No doubt. Armando, enjoy vacation. Yeah, it's man. time. Your vacation begins right about now. Great work. You finished it. Job is complete. Job is complete. We're all to the finish line. Thank That's you. That's right. Got Unlike it. the Cardinals and the Texans, you will not be a loser in this trade. <laughs> you will so win good this trade-off. You won. Armando, appreciate you as always, man. Catch up in a few weeks. Thanks, guys. All right, Armando Salguero, Armando senior NFL won. writer. Already won. He's a winner. Yeah. Already been, he plays this as if it's already been – yeah, play, already been played. Plays the game. It, it's it, he's he's always going to win, no matter what. You know who the the big winner is this week is uh, Pat Sajak, a former news anchor here in Music City. It's the Along next with Oprah. the next person to get that gig, which I think is one Ooh. of the best jobs in all of entertainment. Is the host of Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune, or Price Is Right? Pat Sajak made a fortune, and now he's retiring from the wheel. And we discuss that next on Hot Mike. Pat Sajak, what a run, man. 36 days a year to film Will of Fortune. $15 million. 36 days. 36 days to film these episodes. Armando Salguero thought he had a nice vacation. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. So Ken Jennings was the master of Jeopardy, right? And Then the James guy came in and took his crown. Yes. But like for that, like who takes over the seat, right? Or 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 the, the hosting role. There's a, a this this guy named Robert. I, I don't know his last name. Uh, who is the wizard of the wheel of fortune? Check this out, Chad, and how great he is. I don't think he's hosting capable, but he is the wizard equivalent of Ken Jennings. Oh, uh, Robert. Port and starboard. Yeah, that's it. Woo! There's an and symbol and a D wow. on the board. Robert, what took you so long? <laughs> oh, what a night. Yeah, that's it. I mean, if you're on the game with this guy. I'd like to solve the puzzle. You're, look at this. You're screwed. Go ahead. So. Don't let the cat out of the bag. Yeah, that's it. Pat Sajak and Vanna White. Pat, I'd like to solve the puzzle. Icons okay. for uh, game shows. And now slide. we see Chad. <laughs> Who's next? It's one of the best gigs in all of entertainment. If you can be the host of Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, Price is Right, these game shows that have been going on for years, still hugely successful. You shoot, you know, 10 episodes in a day or whatever it is, five episodes in a day, and you're done quickly. Uh, just really, really cush job. Now, Vanna White, is she done or is she retiring also alongside him? I don't think she's done. And she has hosted and filled in for Pat Yes, Sajak. I was going to say, isn't she? I mean, if she wanted to host, she's don't 66 you just, years old. Don't you give it to her? I mean, if, I, if, I would, I, so, I would yeah. offer her and say, uh, Vanna, you're the host if you want it. If not, we'll go find someone Sajak else and you 76. continue doing what you're doing. But I 76. feel like Vanna White should be the host. Well, that, the talk is that Pat Sajak's daughter is eventually going to take over the the franchise, but I'm, I don't oh, think that's yeah. nepotism. That's that's the plan, but they think during the meantime, Vanna might actually move to be the host until Pat's daughter's ready to take over as the host, and then that makes the most uh, sense the, to the, me. Yeah, the daughter would just take Vanna's spot for the time being because he's gonna he's got one more season. He's done forty years. He's going to do his forty first season, and then that's when he's officially retiring. Maggie Sajak, twenty eight years old. She's a singer, also. 
Um, based on Google, this is from 2020. Yes, 2023. She's, she's very uh, Vanna pretty. White, $10 million a season, 36 episodes. I can see how she would do well on television. She's very, very attractive. And she has... Young Maggie Sajak. Yeah, and she's been on quite a bit in recent seasons, so... Um, I love Wheel of Fortune. I, 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 I'm a Jeopardy it's, it's guy. A, it's a good background I, I've, show. Yeah, I've never been a big Wheel of Fortune person. I mean, I understand the appeal of the show and the success, but I've always long been a Jeopardy guy. Are you a Will Watchers Club member, Hut? Um, Davey, I'm not. Tell me how that uh, works out for you. Hutton's only a member of the Warehouse, the Dave Matthews Club. That's it. That's, yeah. I think it's the only club he belongs to. The Will Watcher? What is it? The, Will's, the Will Watchers Club. What does that get you? They have a thing at the Robert. end of the show. Where, it, no, you can also win a decent amount of money. It's also made up of guys who don't like to watch movies with women. That, I, that's the I am not a club. member. I'm not a member, but my grandfather, back I remember in the early 2000s, whenever I'd go over to him and my grandmother's house, they would always be watching, and he would actually have his – he had his uh, member club number memorized. <laughs> yeah, and the, the quote. So under, he would know if he won every the, single the time. The club member for Will of Fortune is, oh, don't make out with us. <laughs> Netflix and slogan. shut up. Yeah. Netflix and shut up. Sure way to never have a date again. Right in uh, the chat. Pass out your Will Watchers fan club number to, on your Back at profile. it tomorrow. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. We start at 3 o'clock Eastern across the Outkick Network.